0: Good morning, good morning, church. And for those who are visiting and those who are new, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is yo I am one of the pastors on staff here at our church. And uh, it's truly, truly an honor to worship with you guys. As, uh, as we were singing that last song, you know, we love you, Lord. Uh, man, uh, you know, our hearts burn for Christ only, right? I was like, oh, Man. I wish I felt like that all the time, and I don't know if it's the tiredness, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I want to be honest and be like, it's not, I don't feel like I'm at my best right now, but by the grace of God, I'm really humbled and thankful to be here to share the word with you guys. Um, If you haven't been joining us this past summer, uh, we've been in the series of uh, Clarity Gospel, Gospel Clarity. (laughs) That's for clarity. And uh, they they got it wrong, it was supposed to be the other way around, no, no, I got it wrong. But um, it's been really incredible because, uh, you know, we're we're doing this because what is more important than the gospel truth, which I believe is the truth, right? What is more important, and and if if you haven't been able to join us throughout the whole summer, I'd like to really encourage you guys to go back and uh, listening to the entire sermon series. It's been such a blessing and uh, it's been such a great blessing because kind of like we're learning here and I'm learning as I'm preparing and studying, man, the gospel is deep. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's so deep. It's so good. And then you know, as you reflect and meditate, it's, it's been so nourishing for, for my soul. And you know, today our series takes us to the assurance of salvation, the assurance of salvation, or another way we can say it is, "Am I sure that I'm saved?" Right? Um, and it, I think it's a really important question. I think it's an important question, and how we navigate and arrive at the answer to that question, I think it could be tricky, right? Um, I believe that there may be some people in this sanctuary right now. Uh, if we were to ask you, how is your assurance of salvation? Do you believe that you're saved? I believe that many of you would say, uh, yes, I'm saved. But the truth is, maybe you're not. And that's the part that scares us, right? Maybe you're not. And it's not about oh, always. Pastor Yosef up there judging, no, I I have nothing to judge, no one to judge. But it's important. It's not whether what I think in your opinion, but what's important is, is the truth. Are you actually saved? And then I would guess that there are some in this room that would be thinking, I'm not sure if I'm saved. So there's maybe a little bit lack of assurance in your salvation, but indeed, you are very well saved. Right? So, there's both extremes, where you feel like you're not, but you are, and sometimes you can feel like you are, but you're not. But when you feel like you are and you're not, I feel like that's some slippery grounds, and we want to really address that today. Um, of course, then the third group of people are like, I don't believe I'm saved, and I don't care that I'm not saved, because I don't believe in anything. And if you're here, or if you're, if you're here, praise God, you're here, you feel that way, you're here. If you're watching, I want to say, don't go away. Um, you know, uh, this message is for all of us, and um, uh, let's do this together. So, uh, as we tackle this question, do you believe you're saved? Uh, I want to tackle this by asking three questions, and the three questions that I'm going to ask today is number one: Why do I need need saving? Number two: If I need saving, how can I be saved? And number three, this one applies to everyone, right? How can I know today where I stand in my salvation? Uh, Church, will you bow your heads and pray with me? (sighs) Father, Lord, I pray uh, over any worry and anxiety that may be in this room or wherever people may be watching or listening. Lord, I pray that you're going to prepare their heart for your amazing good news. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, you would give us humble hearts, hearts to seek, hearts to trust. I pray that your word would cut us all, that it will seal those who need reassurance and sear those who may for the first time say, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord, so Lord we lift up everyone and uh, Lord I pray that you be with me and I pray all these things in Jesus name, amen. So as I was thinking about this, you know, before we go into the assurance of salvation, I thought we'd talk about why do I need saving in the first place and this is particularly for maybe people who don't believe, okay? And if you do believe, please bear with me, I think it's always good for us to hear Uh, the fundamentals and the foundations of the gospel. And if you're asking the question, if you're one of those people who are asking, why do I need saving, I'm going to say, that's a good question to ask. That's a great question to ask, because this is what your response may be. Why do you need saving? You might be like, I'm living fine, you know, sure, not everything is perfect and not going exactly the way that I want, and I admit I'm not perfect. but I'm making my way through. I feel fine. I am fine. And I feel like I'll just be fine. I don't, I don't need any saving. And you may honestly believe that you feel fine and that you are fine. But even with that status, how long will that hold up? How long will you be fine? Or a better question is, do you really believe? that you were created to be, or if you don't believe in a creator, that the ultimate goal in life is just to be fine? Well, according to Scripture, according to the Word of God, the Bible would say, no, that's not why you were created, to be fine, to get through life, be fine. One of the movie that I really love, uh, it's called The Shack. I heard the book is better, but whenever there's a book and a movie, it's always easier to watch than to read, but I am going to read it one day, but if you've never read the book or saw the movie, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it without ruining it, because it's really a good book and movie. I don't know, the book is supposed to be good, I didn't read it yet, but um, it's basically about a father uh, who's really angry with God because something really terrible happened in his life, and I won't say what and uh, his hurt and his bitterness, it really takes hold of his life, and it's impacting his relationship with God, it's impacting his relationship with his family, it's impacting his just how he lives, and he's become a mess. And when tragedies hit us like that, it kind of throws you off track, and sometimes it feels like, I don't know if I can ever go back, right? You guys ever feel that way? Well, in the movie, it's interesting because the main character, this distraught father, uh, he spends time with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in this, like, shack, in this hut, right? Um, And in one of their conversations, you know, the father and God is talking on the front porch of the shack, and you hear these birds chirping, and they're flying, and God says to the father, aren't these birds so beautiful? They were created to fly. And then God turns to the Father and says, you, on the other hand, you were created to be loved. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of theological things that you can say, like, oh, no, you're created to give God glory, of course. But first, you want to come and be loved. I think that's very important. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to skip around a lot of uh, areas in Scripture as we get to the, uh, the assurance of salvation, so please bear with me. But let's talk about love. You were created to be loved. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, so to remove mountains but not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up to my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. You were created to be loved and to love, and not just be fine, but I'll play the other side. You might say, well, I am fine, and I do love. I love a lot of things, and I am loved by people. Okay, then I would come back and ask you, Can anything or anyone take that away from you? Can it be snatched away from you? And if it does, will you still be fine? And the answer is yes, it can be snatched away from you. Think about it. When you love someone, or, you know, when you love someone, when someone we love, or when we are loved by someone and they stop loving us, it's hard. Or, they, they, they betray us. They run to somebody else or something else. Will you still be the same? Will you be fine? I don't think so. But let's say nothing happens. But ultimately, the person you love passes away from an old age. Will you be fine? Without the gospel, you will not. Your, your, your condition, moment away from just being snatched away from one, one, circuit, one tragic moment. According to Scripture, what we need—the reason why we need saving—is because there is death. Okay, that's that's not a surprise. There is death. It's a problem that every single person who have ever lived had to face, eventually face, right? And you may think, if you don't believe in God, and you know, everybody dies, and that's it's part of nature. And that's just the way it is. And I would say you're not entirely wrong, but the Bible tells us we all die because all have sinned, every single one. Romans 3.23 says what? Every single one of us has sinned against two, against God. And then Romans 6.23 tells us, and the wages of sin, the consequence of sin is what? Death. We have a real issue here, we all die. We were created to be loved and to love, but as many would believe it's natural for us because you know, that's what happens, you know, you're born and you die, but it's so much more than that. We die because we all fall short of the glory of God and it's in our sinful nature, we turn away from him and the punishment to that is death. So we have a sin problem which leads to a death problem. And if this is true, how can anyone be saved from what is natural or innately we're sinners? What are we supposed to do? And death is inevitable. It is a big problem. But we'll go to our second point, how we are to be saved. The Bible tells us John 3 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his own and only son, Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, perish, but have eternal life. We were created to be loved, so John 3:16 declares that God loves the world so much so, so loved it. Do you know what He loves so much about the world? It's not the beautiful mountains, the lakes, the rivers. He, he does love them. But Matthew 6:26 says what? Jesus says, "Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow, nor weep, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?" What God so loved about the world is you. It's a resounding yes, you are much more of value than all of the other creations. And I want to say right now, you are loved by God, even if you don't love him right now, okay? You are loved by God right now, even if you don't love him. And we know this because let's go to Romans 5. Now we're going to go into Romans, and we're going closer and closer to where we want to be. Romans 5, verses 6 to 10, it says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly are those who didn't love God back. For one who scarcely died for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him From the wrath of God for if while we are enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life although we were created to be loved and to love we fell short because we fell short or we sin we all die but the good news is that God showed his love for us when we fail to love him back Even while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what Romans 5 just says. It's not based on our love for God. That wasn't the initiating factor, but it was his love for us. He first loved us. And in Jesus dying for our sins, we are now justified by his blood and we're saved. So the next question would be, so how do we know? that we are saved by Jesus' sacrifice. Why that action? Why that moment? Second Corinthians 5.23 says this, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Because our sins were taken up by Christ, He died for us on the cross. Romans 8, 10, 11. I know it's a lot of scripture, but just stay with me. Right? God loves you. God loves you. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God raised Jesus up again, which signifies that, that, that debt is settled, that dead is settled, and to those who will believe and come to love God, we are saved through faith and grace. The Holy Spirit nudges our heart. It pushes our heart to believe that we realize that we needed saving, realizing what we were saved from and how we were saved, and it's only through Jesus Christ alone. This is the gospel truth. This is the good news. Salvation is God's and his alone. We, all, you know, we went through you know, all this to show the extent of our problem. And I hope we saw that the problem is huge. Everyone is dying because everyone has fallen short. Sin was the problem, separating from God and death. But Jesus paid for it with his body and blood so that we may live with him for all eternity. It's not live longer, but for all eternity. And this goes to our, our final point. So the million dollar question becomes that how can I know? How can I know right now that I'm saved? How can I have this assurance of salvation? And let's, let's kind of define, uh, I think a good way to define assurance of salvation means you're having a conviction of firm belief of God's love. It's something that uh, you you buy into, that you, you, you're convicted of. And the one who will be confused most, I think, about your assurance of salvation are those who are either, number one, you're religious, but you're stuck in some of, you know, just your old sin patterns, and you feel guilty, and you feel like you're not good enough, so you feel like you fell away from God, and then you fall away from the church, and you start kind of losing steam, and they often feel like, oh, I don't think, I don't know, I don't think I'm saved, am I? I don't know. Or, you are very active at church, and you are a people pleaser while seeking refuge in worldly things, these are the ones who burn out. So you do a lot, you serve a lot, but you're kind of building your own thing. And I think if you fall into these categories, of course you would be confused because what you're doing is you're changing the gospel to where it's based on your thoughts, your feelings and your actions. And I want to say the gospel is perfect. It does not need your edits. It's better the way that it is. The issue for both these types of people is this. You think the gospel is primarily all about you. Maybe you don't think that that's true, but you live in a way that it's true. Let me help you clarify something that's very important about the gospel. And the gospel has always been, uh, and it's this. Sinners like you and me, all of us, we are the greatest benefactors of the gospel. But the gospel has always been and always will be primarily about Jesus Christ. That's the truth. We are the greatest benefactors, but it's not about, it doesn't end with or start with you and me. It's about him. Yes, God so loves you, but that was never the problem, church. God's love for you and me, that was never the problem. Us not loving God and looking for ways to love ourselves without God getting involved in our plans. This is the issue. We kind of live in like this duality, where, yeah, I love God. Blah, 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 but don't get involved in this, God, because I got this. this, this is my thing. And the only reason why anyone would live in that dualistic way is because they don't really believe that God is good and that God loves them. We are too caught up in ourselves being fine, being comfortable, being popular, being rich, being approved by others and all things that our heart and our souls were not meant to lean on, of course, we would doubt our salvation. If your way of thinking was that, you know, you know I, I'm Christian and I'm going to be Christian by practicing Christian religion, going to church and serving on meal trains or meal plans or, you know, you know encouraging someone. And then, you know, you're like, because I'm doing that, my eternity is covered. Like, I'm good for that. God, you saw me do all those things, I'm good now. But, you know, it's a good insurance policy, right? If there is a life after death, I'm covered because I'm doing these religious things. But uh, I'm going to keep building my own kingdom on earth. If this is you, you are not in a good place. Meanwhile, we have many who are going through real sufferings, struggles, still dealing with it today, sins, but you are compelled and convicted by the Holy Spirit to persevere and to cling to God and His gospel truth. So you're still falling, but you're persevering and you're clinging and you're kind of trudging along. And if this is you, I want to say you are not in as bad of a place as you may think that you're in. God wants you, church, God wants you to be sure of the assurance of salvation. It's that's what he wants. He loves you so much and he did such a great work in through Jesus Christ. Trust me when I say he wants you to know it and he wants you to rejoice in it. How do I know this? He gave us his word. This thing that we call scripture, the Bible that we read, it's all about Jesus. The more and more I read through the Bible over and over, it's all about Jesus. A lot of people, when we talk about assurance of salvation, a lot of people, you know who they pick? The thief on the cross. They're like, that guy got it good. Because that thief on the cross, he heard from Jesus himself, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean. That's a guarantee, no? You take that to the bank, right? I say, don't be jealous of that. He gives you that promise to you today, and you are not on your last moments on a cross where you can go out and live for him with the Spirit. I don't know why you think being on that cross and Jesus... I mean, that's great. It just shows you the reach of the gospel. That's amazing. He's done all these wrong things and he's been such a criminal that he deserved the worst, worst punishment being on the cross and even the Lord saved him then. But don't be jealous of Jesus saying to that thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. The promise is true for you and me and it always has been. I think a really great way also to have assurance of salvation. Is uh, track the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? And, uh, you know, have you seen any fruits of the Spirit, right? But, you know, I feel like when the Spirit is leading you in that moment, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell sometimes. Like, am I being led by the Spirit? But the way that I feel like it works is like when you look back, you're like, whoa, I would have never done, done those things. And you see the fingerprints of God, right? If you have that, that's really great news, Church. Okay, that's really great news. There is evidence of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, and the Spirit does not just move in dead people. Um, the Holy Spirit also convicts you to do something that you normally wouldn't do. I always kind of share a story. I remember I was just sitting on a bus, and I felt, and I was so tired. Like I, I just came back from like a huge retreat and I was on a bus, and the Holy Spirit told me, go, go go, pray for that old person, two rows in front of you to the right. And I was like, oh, but I don't know that person. And, uh, and I was in a different country, and I was like, I don't know if that person speaks English. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like pushing back to the Holy Spirit. I was like, I'm really tired, Spirit. Uh, and uh, you, you go talk to him, right? I would never choose... To do this on my own but i feel the holy spirit nudging me and after about 30 minutes i was like okay i'll go say hi (laughs) and then if there's an opportunity to pray then i'll pray right i was not being a very willing soldier here but i did and our conversation was so great and he was kind of telling me how he fell away from the church and he was like yeah like you just had a revival like why you come all the way over here and do all of this And then we had an amazing, uh, the bus ride was eight hours long. So for six hours we talked, and then we spent like the last 30 minutes praying. Amazing. I wouldn't, guys, (laughs) I would not do that. The Spirit convicts you to do good works, right? It pushes you. Sometimes you feel sympathetic and empathetic to the less, the fortunate, the widows, the orphans. And, uh, and, and, you know, the worldly desires that you enjoyed before, you no longer enjoy. Like, these are evidences of the work of the Spirit. Let's go to Romans 8.15. I like this one. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons whom, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And uh, I was listening to one of John MacArthur's sermons, and I really liked what he said about this part. He says, you know, we live in a really broken world, and even if you're a Christian, even if you're saved and you have that assurance, uh, you know, terrible things will happen. There's going to be trials, right? We're going to face them. And he says, when we get so broken, the spirit from within us is going to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Papa, whatever, Uh, uh, whatever a child will call out to their parent. And he says, and that's the spirit responding to know that right now you need the goodness and the love and the care of the father and go to him. Wasn't that true in the prodigal son where after he took his inheritance, he spent it all away. He's like, you know what? I don't even deserve to be his son again. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to at least ask. That was the spirit leading him to. Because his pride or the enemy would say, no, stay. He has nothing else to give you because he gave you your inheritance. And you know what? You walked out on him. He hates you now. Don't go back there. Don't look pitiful. Stay. But he goes back and and he's shocked. The father runs to him as soon as he sees him. From our deep inside when something tragic happens and your heart cries out, oh God, Daddy, that is the Holy Spirit. No matter what you've done or what you're going through in this life, if you can testify to any of these movements of the Holy Spirit guiding you, you are sealed, be assured. Be assured because it wasn't based on you. You're just struggling and suffering. But it's the work that Christ did. That's where the assurance comes from. The work of the craftsman and the doer and the savior. That's where we have our assurance. But if this is not you and you're like, no, I don't know if I still believe. I. Um, Let's read today's text in a different way, and, and you know, Pastor Dave suggested this to me, and I was so blessed. Let's go to Romans 8.31. And in the original text, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, if you don't believe, you'd say, if God is against me, or even if he doesn't exist, what can be against me? The answer is everything. Everything is against you. What about verse 33? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? I don't care. It is I who, who I'm justified in myself. I'll write it out. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Everything will separate us from love of Christ everything from tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness danger or sword everything separates me from the love of christ and if you believe and if you think any of this i want to say you can still have salvation today if you would believe that god is out there and he loves you so much and he's resolved everything that he needs to on that cross through Jesus Christ. If you sit here today, the sinner, the enemy, the hurt, the shame, the, the lonely, Christy was up here saying, you know, if you're, if you're a woman or a man, and you have whatever this darkest shame, this gospel is for you. There are no goody goodies in front of God's eyes, only sinners. This is for you. Jesus dying on the cross for our sins is not weakness but the Bible says he overcame the world and even overcame death so with him let's go to verses 37 39 we become more than conquerors not just weak sheep ready to be slaughtered but through Jesus Christ through him who loved us for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers these big things, not even life and death, nor things that come presently, or things of powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. As Paul writes Romans through the convictions of the Holy Spirit, I think what he's doing is he's sharing his assurance of salvation. And when you see this he does not mention anything about his past life his merits but all his assurance comes from christ and christ alone that's why you can have assurance because it was never about what you can do and what you are it's about him many of you guys grew up in the church and you heard this many times god loves you jesus loves you something you've heard over and over again but Maybe some of you guys were like the Grinch, okay? If you guys know that story, the Grinch heard so many times, "Oh, the joy of Christmas, woohoo, woohoo!" But he hates it. He hates it, and uh, you know, and but as the people that he was trying to ruin Christmas for, as they love on him, and as 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 that's how his heart started to, you know, actually beat, and. You see an enemy, his heart grew by three times. Now in scripture, when you become saved, your heart doesn't grow three times because I think that's very unhealthy to have an oversized heart. But it's something even better. What scripture says is your heart goes from dead to life. That's a big difference. A heart growing three sizes, it's like, oh, it's bigger, dead to life. There's no more greater drastic change than that, isn't that? And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel and the assurance of salvation is that God pursues your heart, not your merits and your works and your resume, but he's after your heart. And because of Jesus Christ, it became possible. As we move to communion, if you guys would uh, take your communion cups. I want to encourage you that uh, the assurance of salvation, I think, really comes in three ways. Number one, God's Word and His Word never changes. Number two, it's been settled and sealed through the life and death of Jesus Christ on the cross and His resurrection. And three, whenever we partake in communion, we are reminded of the great cost that was paid, the great victory that was won over death, that in him, we are more than conquerors. And if you guys have been with us you know, before, we say, if you're not a believer and you don't love Jesus Christ, don't take it. But what I wanna say is, if you have not loved him, until maybe now and something is going on, something is changing, something is convicting you, then take. Maybe your best friend and your own parents don't know what's happening to you right now or recently and no friends of yours know that you're Christian. It's not about that. It's about you and Abba Father. But if you're here and you're like, no, I still don't care. I will not repent and I don't need him. I don't want him. Then unfortunately, this meal is not for you. But know that he loves you and he calls for you. Church, on the night that Jesus Christ would be betrayed, he took bread just like this. Then he broke it as he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There is a top layer if you're standing, if you're here and you carefully peel that off and that's what you would partake. And then in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And church, before we partake in it together, can we can we just bow our head and have a moment and say, God, thank you, Jesus, thank you for your blood and your body. That my assurance does not come in things that change and waver and can be snatched away but it's in you and it's in your word and it's in the works that you've done and you've completed and because it's in that I can have assurance today that I am loved that I am saved because you are good because you love me and I pray that this meal will bring great encouragement spiritual power as we remember what Christ did so church at this time will you partake with me and after we partake in our assurance of salvation let us rise and give praise and rejoice in the Lord together